Welcome to the In The Dome Podcast. Live from Calgary, Alberta today. Live, live, live from Calgary, Alberta. How's it going? Excellent. All right, new news. Hammonix out. Hammonix opting out. Now, this this is an interesting topic because we were on live, was it yesterday? And remember, when he went down with an injury, right around the time that we picked up Gus and... Forbert. Forbert. Yep. We said, shit, when Hamnick comes back, where is he going to play? Would you... I think we even talked about it back then. Would you rather him not even come back at all? And I think the answer was yes. At the time, we were like, yeah, that that's probably maybe the best way that this decor would shape up. More so because... I Where mean, the coaching staff slots in yeah, the, all the time. The biggest point that you're making is he's going to get top... If Hamnick's in, he's getting top four minutes, which then kind of screws up all your pairings. Exactly. Because like the question is, oh, is this team better without Travis Hamnick? Well, probably not without him. Like He's probably... He's a decent defenseman yep. on a bottom pairing. But based on how this coaching staff has tended to roll him out, they give him, they're going to give him top four minutes and they're going to play some with, pair him with Noah Hannafin, which we know is not good. Our biggest weakness... Across the board has been personnel management. Yeah. From the top down, from the GM down. So I think we're, I don't think we're a better team without Travis Hamannick in a vacuum. But in the context of where this organization plays him, top four minutes, yeah, we're better without Travis Hamannick in our top four. Especially if they're going to pair him with Noah Hannafin, which exactly. they can't seem to stop doing. They can't stop. They won't stop. It, it's like some weird... <laughs> kid in a candy it's like some weird fat kid in a candy store that just like you can't you can't stop you can't get him you can't stop him you can't stop him you can't it's like you know how Brad Living collects demon it's like that just he, can't he just stop. can't help himself if you had Travis like, Hamannick he, like it like it's whether it's July 1st or it's trade deadline or it's like the, middle the next, of COVID pandemic he's still picking up defensive the next day he wakes up and he should he says shit I did it again I blacked out I got three demon Oh my god. Like he blacks out. He just blacks out and wakes up with like Connor Mackey, Michael Stone, 400 defensemen. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, what did I do? Oh no. Anyways, like, I, I think if Travis Hamannick were to play on the bottom pairing, you're, you're, he's definitely, I think he'll probably give you more than somebody like Derek Forbert. Maybe not. I don't know. Or yeah. Oliver Shillington. Like, defensively, he's I definitely mean, been worse. And pairing him with Gustafson on the third pairing scares the living shit out of me. That's where I would, that's where you and I would both slot him. Yeah. Bottom set, bottom or bottom pairing. Bottom pairing. Then, then he makes your decor and your team better. Exactly. Probably but they're not good. They they're not going to do that. They wouldn't do that. And like the argument could be made, like I know everyone hates on Shillington, but I think the argument could be made that Shillington is probably a better off option defensively there, especially yeah. with Gustafson, because if our hypothesis is correct and Hannafin and Hamannick are terrible together, Gustafson is a similar player to Hannafin in that he's not very good defensively. Pairing Hamannick and Gustafson t- together, then... Is going to be a Hamannick-Hannafin 2.0. Exactly. Just less exposed to tougher matchups and not as much playing time. So it doesn't scare you as much. But from what we've seen from Derek Forbert, he's been fine. So here's the other question. i got two questions. If... Okay, so Hamannick's out. So obviously you're looking at the, the most sensible pairings is obviously Gio and Brody together. Yeah. Hannafin with Rasmus Anderson because that's been Hamannick or Hannafin's. He's had the best numbers with Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, they've absolutely. looked good together. 
I like Rass in that top four minutes position. Totally. Well, it's kind of funny because I've seen some of the stuff on Twitter and the discourse is like, oh, now that after Hamannick made this decision, it's like, oh, when Hamannick went down, boy, did Rasmus Anderson step up. It's like, I don't think he stepped up. No. It's just like a, been a no-brainer for most people who've watched the Flames for any amount of time that it's like, well, he's probably... He is your best defensive defenseman outside of probably Jordan Ombre. What was he doing on the third pairing for any time this season? Being awesome. Come on, personnel management. Like, snap your exactly. fucking head and out of it. You even saw him play on the top pairing with Gio last season for a few games, and he was he was great. So, yeah, but why is Rasmus Anderson playing on the third pairing this season? Because you have to have Hamannick and Hannafin, the tire fire, every single night together. The, the, just, we have to see it. We have to see we it. Have we have to have it. They get crushed in their own zone every single night. We've got to have it. We must have it. We need it. So I don't think Rasmus Anderson stepped up. I think he's finally getting the playing time that he deserved. And and then you're seeing how good he is. Yeah, you're seeing the results. And you're seeing that he can you know, make a guy like Noah Hannafin better. So Okay, so back to this question. Now that Hammonick's out, we know that. Everybody slots down. You're obviously... The third pairing, we're assuming, makes this, this is what makes the most sense, yeah. is Gus and Forbort together. So then who's your seventh D-man? I want to say Shillington, but I bet you it's Stone. See, that's the downside of this because everybody's like, a lot of the people who think the sa- on the same lines as we do where it's like, well, you're probably better off actually without Hammond in your top four. is like, yay, he's not playing, but it's like, that opens up <laughs> the potential for them to play Mike Stone. Don't do it. If I swear to God, if we see Stone in over... Because that's why, for me, remember, it was like when they got Forbert and Gus, it was like, okay. We're never going to see Stone again. Please. We're never going to see Stone again. That must be what this means. Next game, it's like Stone's in. It's like, what the hell? Dude, I can... I'm like... I Well, I don't want to say guarantee, but I can guarantee I you... I be surprised. I can guarantee you they have Stone slotted higher than Shillington currently. Yeah. Right now, Stone's our seventh V-man, which just makes me want to jump off the roof. Yeah, and it's pro- it's probably true. Head first <laughs> into the cement. Because <laughs> you know, you know that there's going to be injuries if, if this goes on any long, like if this extends, right? Usually even without Yeah, it. I'm going to have an injury to my brain. I already do. My brain is already injured from watching them consistently roll at my stomach. So I'll have a have spinal cord injury Instant now. brain damage. But... That's good. that's kind of like the downside of Travis Hamnick. I swear to I swear like to God, I don't know what I'm gonna do if if I see Michael Stone at all in the next rest of my life ever again. Hit the ice as a Calgary Flame. Like well, what, like what? Okay, those numbers was it Kent Will? Uh, was it Kent Wilson? Yeah, he posted them, and it's posted just like it's just like he's here, not. Here's our worst four D man as far as analytically speaking this year, and it's like. What was it? Shillington was like minus, what? He was under two two points or whatever. Yeah, it was mean. like if the league average, there's like standard deviation. It was like Shillington, Hamannick were below. Yeah, but like it was like 2.13 yeah. or something like that. And then you have Michael Stone, like minus 14. He's like just he like 14 on his, He's on his own. He's in his own I'm going to pull that up because yeah, it's like it just up. puts it into perspective it's just how Just how bad terrible. he's been. Okay, so here it is. I want you to go through this and explain it to the listeners because when I say minus, you know, people probably think it's plus minus, but yeah. explain the stat. So what he, it's, a, it's a stat from Natural Stat Trick, which is like a site you can get analytics from. It just shows the expected goals for percentage relative to teammates. So, Which means when he's on the ice, 
The expected the, goals for percentage. The expected goals like that, that he's gonna let. Yeah, the, the the percentage between what he's generating and what he's giving up relative to his teammates. So, yeah, you've got Travis Hamanick. He's negative three point three one. Oliver Shillington struggled a little bit, negative three point one two. Gustafson not very solid defensively, negative two point nine three. Forbort, he's playing bottom pairing minutes, negative one point four four. So that's, expected that's goals just, for percentage relative. It's just below average. Yeah. Right. And then you've got Brandon Davidson as a bit of an outlier, negative. 7.39, small sample size. Well, very small sample size, but he was thrown. The reason why he was called up is because yeah. we were decimated. Exactly. And then you've got sitting atop this expected <laughs> goals for percentage mess. The golden boy. Here's Michael the golden Stone boy. At negative 14.18. We should literally just start like some sort of fan intervention with Bradtree Living and somehow just like post this stat, to, like this statistic. All over the place, where somewhere he's gonna like put. Can can we get a mole inside the saddle dome and have someone print this off and just leave it on Brad's door, hide it in his drawer, put it on, put it, hide it in his glove box? Like, can can we get a mole? Like, what is? Can, do what we have any diehard fans that Please. work no, at the dome? Exactly, like a, official, an usher, anybody, get this to Brad. Or to Chris Snow, maybe. Just, like, start dropping all over the, you know, I don't know, the press level. Like, we got to some, somehow. I just don't understand how they continually roll him out. Like, as a, he's not, he's such, he's not even a fringe NHL. Like, he's just, he's he's not an, he's beyond a fringe NHL it, player at this it point. It was funny. What was it? Uh, Money Puck or Hockey Stats or something like that on, on Instagram. Yeah. So. Had him in the top 10. He was, like, red. Eighth most dangerous. Yeah, from the defenseman. point. So if you follow Talking Hockey on Instagram, he had posted a thing from another analytics site, which is that he's actually the guy who who makes those is actually a really good follow. I can't remember off the top of my head right now what it was, but it was just like showing the top um, defensive point threats, and Stone was like sixth. <laughs> so and I explained it on our Instagram. It's like the reason that is is because the only place he shoots from is from the point. It's literally, because I, I, I posted some heat maps and stuff, it's the only place he shoots from, and it's the only place he scores from, and he's like he has two goals in the last calendar year, well, how many and they're sh- both from the point. How many shots does he have this season? 15? Yeah, like not very many, and he has two goals in the last calendar season, so it's just super inflated. And I, it was funny because I pulled up, if you go on hockeyviz.com, you can, if you're a subscriber to their uh, Patreon, you can pull up like a, a goal probability chart and it shows you like, you can pick your shooter and you can pick where on ice they're shooting from. And if it's an unblocked shot, what percentage of a chance it has of being a goal? It's like 1.4% from where Stone shoots from. It's like virtually no chance with this big old clapper. So... Which we, we couldn't get through a podcast without without a little Michael Stone ripping session. Well, with yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, well, I think it was last night. I don't know. I was scrolling through Twitter and I don't know where I saw it, but Al McInnes, there was a little montage. Oh yeah, yeah the Flames posted it. The Flames? No, I think it was. Didn't they? I, it might have been the um, the guy on Instagram that does the the little montages. As Calgary Effects, or yeah, I think it was him. I can't remember. Somebody like that. Someone did like a yeah. little Al McInnes month. No, it wasn't. It must have been the Calgary I Flames. think it was the Flames themselves yeah. because it's his birthday or some shit. The amount of clappers this guy took. Dude. The, the, how fast he released that thing. like Because it's the first highlight was when he broke the glass. You saw that? Oh, yeah, Al. Jeez, man. 
But the little montage, you gotta find that thing. Yeah, right? it's it's on the flames. I think the flames posted to Instagram either yesterday. This or guy was a threat. Yeah, that's a threat, and especially on those old goalies. I love how there. he used his clapper anywhere. Dude, he'd be like two feet in, like high in the slot. That would he take a clapper? Just fucking destroy like, I'm not, that puck. I'm not. He's like, I'm not not taking a clapper ever. Like that's my only weapon. It goes in every time. Anyways, the defense is gonna be interesting and. Man, I, I really think the, the Flames' defense is one of their strong suits in this series so long as they don't screw with it. Well, and I think, honestly, the removal of Travis Hamannick ensures that you're not going to see the pairing of Hannafin and Hamannick. So the removal of Hanneman, uh, Travis Hamannick, for me, yeah. makes our decor better. Me too. And n- nothing personal against him, right? Because I, I don't think you're not going to see... Anderson and and Hannafin because I'd be blown away. That's the only other playing time those two got with someone else. Yeah, exactly. Was together. So and they're you know, very they're very strong together. Jeff Ward loves you know normalcy, so he's gonna stick with those two. Which, yeah, which they're good. Yeah, no, they're really good. If like like they could be better because Han the thing with Hannafin is we said this a hundred times is like he's his, his supposed strength is his offensive ability. It doesn't really, you know, the end result, like some of his analytics are good. Essentially, all he does, he's a volume shooter. He, when he's on the ice, pucks get to the net. That's pretty much it. They don't really generate much outside of just like a few shot attempts. So if he could actually start translating that into a bit of a better offensive game and start pu- actually putting up some more points, then that pairing would be really valuable. But they're both really young. They've been really good together. I got no problem seeing them on the ice together. And I trust, like, Rasmus Anderson is going to be, it's already rounding into this team's best defenseman. Yep. I think he will be within the next year or two. Yep. He probably will be next year, maybe, if Giordano always starts being, like, a fucking human. Maybe starts regressing, like, maybe a little bit. Which we, we've seen signs of this year. Yeah, he's definitely not been as offensive. But, dude, is still a beast. Anyways, I have, I, if your top four is Brody, Gio, Rasmus, Hannafin, you have an insane advantage over the Winnipeg decor. Now, here's the other question I have for you is, your third pairing, do you start, if it's you, like, what, like who's a, what's a better matchup? Gus and Forbert, which I think Forbert probably is a, gives you, I think especially those two together gives you a better defensive pairing than Gus and Shillington. Yeah. Forbert's a bigger body. There's two ways to look at this. You need like the Winnipeg forward group. They have some size, especially that top line. But the third pairing is probably not going to see much time against the top line. Although, if you're Paul Maurice, you want to get that matchup big time. Especially so, if Michael Stone is in the bottom pairing. Yeah. So, do you want? Do you? Would you rather have Forbert with his size and his defensive prowess more so than Shillington, or do you want the speed of Shillington? You got Ehlers on that team. Like, Ehlers can probably just burn past forward. You know what? But Shillington could keep up with him. Me, personally, I would go with Shillington. I think he... I think he's... I don't don't know where people get this, like... He sucks defensively. Like, I think he's been fine. Yeah. I think... Even looking at his... His numbers, which suggests that he's below average defensively, 
aren't that accurate because of the pairings. He's, he's been, what, he played, how many games did he well, play with Stone there, right? Played, he played a little bit with Rasmus Anderson at the beginning of the year, and that was a pretty solid pairing, mostly probably due to Rasmus Anderson. But yeah, most of his time this season has been spent playing with Michael Stone. Yep. So. Like, that's no good. You're telling me that he's good enough to off... No one's good enough to offset Michael Stone. Right? Like, here's... Is Giordano even good enough to... If no. Giordano and Stone play together, you're getting scored on. The two worst pairings this season by expected goals percentage have been Hannafin and Stone, who've played a little bit together, I guess. I kind of forgot our defense was so crushed. Could you imagine... Do you remember? <laughs> we were shitting our pants. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like mid-season. It was the worst. Hannafin Stone... 33.8% expected goals percentage. And Shillington and Stone, they've been the two worst pairings. The only two pairings that have been below 40% expected goals the, on ice. What's the common denominator? If the common denominator is, that, is Michael Stone. So, so I, I yeah. Anytime I, I, I've I feel seen like Shillington play with a defenseman, with a pairing, a defense partner who is somewhat competent, I've had zero issues with his game. Yeah. And I feel like, again, this comes back to personal ma- personnel management. Yeah. They haven't really put Oliver Shillington... They haven't utilized him. They haven't put him in, a, in a positions to really excel. Yeah. Because they haven't been utilizing him other than like, oh, shit, we need another D-man. Let's throw him in. He's going to be stuck with Stone tonight. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I think that's what's so funny to me is like, if you look at his a lot of his underlying numbers, he's actually been a positive player defensively yeah. at even strength, Oliver Shillington. He's been fine. Well, and again, I I hate to me this is the organization's biggest weakness because it's like the utilization that we've seen from Shillington this year especially reminds me of how we have utilized Bennett. And then yeah, it's true. It's kind of like bury him. You're telling me when he got sent down. You're telling me Oliver Shillington got better this season. No. You're telling me the the team gave him a chance to get better to develop him. No. He's gotten worse. Yeah. You think he's more confident this season than he was last season? No. You think Bennett's more confident this season? Like, if you're gonna let guys just fall away and waste away, and you're not gonna invest, invest in, them, in them, then why the fuck are you gonna keep him on your team? Exactly. Like, if if you're gonna treat him like a plug, get a fucking plug. Yeah. Trade him while he still has value. He's young. Exactly. Really, he's still get prospect. Like, this is what I don't understand about this management. If you're going to treat him like a plug, just get a fucking plug. There's so many plugs. How many Tobias readers readers are available now? Oh, we need more. We need to sign Reader, Ronaldo, and we get Lucic. Like, what other useless defenseman can we invite to training camp next year? Is Andrew McDonald going to be kicking around again? Like, if someone has perceived value, but you don't don't care, you're just going to let it just... It's like a depreciating asset. Yeah. Well, let's wait till it depreciates to nothing. Let's wait till Stan Bennett like, is completely at, useless and undervalued in the league. Then maybe we'll trade him. Like look at Jankowski. Yeah. Same same, same situation. Thing. He he scored 17 goals that one year. Why don't you trade him instead of just like burying him on the fourth line? Trade him while he's got value. I don't get it. Like that that, that to me has like if you're a general manager, that's got to be like one of your upper yeah totally like rules that you follow. As far as managing your assets, yeah, 100%. if you have a prospect, every year that he wastes away is a depreciating asset. Yeah, so you got to like project that. Mm-hmm. If you don't see yourself using them, or at least developing them, like so look at these some of these other teams, right? You see it a lot when you get the team's been shitty for a while. You get all these young guys, like Detroit. You got Larkin and Bertuzzi. Or else they got Mantha. Mantha, like. 
they're still exciting to watch. Maybe not so much this year. <laughs> Yikes. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like some of these teams, even if they lose, you know, 60 games, they're still exciting to watch. They get these like, upcoming stars. They're getting all they're getting all the opportunity to develop. Well, and again, is it really that big of a deal to allocate? That's that's why it frustrated me with when Stone was re-signed again after being bought out. Not even from a cap perspective, but it's like that makes zero sense. Like for your third pairing, you've got Shillington. Like, and then remember when he got sent down? It's like it just everything about how they utilize some of these guys makes no sense. Yeah, because it's now nonsensical. Now Jeff Ward's sitting there, is like, oh, we got this Michael Stone guy. What if we need him later? We got to get him some reps in. So now Shillington's not developing that much more. I, I just don't get it. And like, like I've said a hundred like times, if, like, if you're a GM or you're a coach or you're a organization, you got to commit to your prospects. Even like, and this is another thing that bugs me as a philosophical thing is like, here's a young player who's shown to be around like replacement level on an entry level deal, cheap as shit. You can fill your third pairing with two guys who don't make any money. Yeah. And do just as good, if not a better job, than some old, slow dope who's costing you twice the price. It's just, I don't get it. Another great example of managing your cap space. It's just, it seems to be a philosophical thing. It's like, oh, we need this veteran guy who costs more. It's like, no wonder we can't get a top six forward. Because you're paying Michael Stone and Travis Hamnick and all these slow old guys. And then it it comes back. We've had this argument early in the season too. Is your team identity? With the rest of the teams, like, well, who are we? Are we the team with fucking Shillington, the the guy that's developing, or like Michael Sloan, or like what the fuck? What the fuck, indeed? I think I would go. I would start with the with uh, Forbert with Gus. I would too, just because, like, personally, I just said Shillington. I know, but I like I like what Shillington brings more. But Forbert has like. Before the trade, I was. Like, I'm just thinking matchup wise on Forbert, but he's been good. He's been solid since you picked him up. So I have no problem, and the fact that Gus and probably what you're going to see in these, especially in the qualifying round, is like, hey, whoever's familiar with playing with who, get them in. Although, if you're thinking even pairing wise, Shillington with with uh, with Gus, yeah, might actually have it's some, a nice dynamic, some, some dangerous speed. offensive ability to it. So. I personally but, like Shillington as a player better, but what we've seen from Forbert, I'm totally okay. Yeah. Honestly, I don't care who plays on on that third pairing. I'm just thinking as matchup. As long as it's not Stone. I'm just thinking matchup wise. Winnipeg to me is just a, they play more physical. Yeah. They're, they're bigger. You want to slow them down. I think Forbert in front of the net. I would start with Forbert. I I would start with Forbert just because I don't have a reason to otherwise because he's been good since he's got here and yeah. he's played enough games with Gus. That it's like they have some kind of familiarity. Well, not enough games. They've played like five or six games. But again, I have zero problem with Shillington. I think he, his upside is more than forward. He's quicker. He's, I think he's just as good defensively. But I'd say forward's been fine enough that you, you probably start him there. Yep. Anyways. The other thing that's interesting on this opt-out thing is like, I know for Flames fans, you're like, oh, how does this affect the pairings? But it was kind of weird. Do you think Hammock's going to be the most high-profile guy to opt out? So far, he is. I guess Mike Green opted out. Well, it's going to depend. Like, I think, I think he will, depending on obviously Max Domi. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really think there's going to be a lot of players that opt out. I honestly don't, especially in the NHL. I think even most leagues, you won't see a lot. 
but the NHL especially, it's historically, yeah, it's been the league more so where the players kind follow of follow the company till the company line. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you I mean they want to play. Like this is what the guys these guys do for a living, right? They're probably they've been sitting at home for what mm-hmm. four or five months since March. They're probably just like, what the what the with fuck this? am I doing with yeah. with myself right now? Like, give me something to do. Yeah. So they're, they're probably all itching at it. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's there's players in unique situations with families that have to really analyze the situation and make the right call. Yeah. Um, which Hamnick, right? No problem with Travis Hamnick doing that. No. Like, zero problem. I don't know anybody who has a problem with it. No. Like, zero problem at all. And I mean, it's he's probably not coming back. So, and if it wasn't clear before, I think it is now. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if he'd be, would he be? I don't know. Would he be more hesitant to do it if he was coming back? I don't think so. Probably not. But this is probably just more confirmation that he's not coming back. It feels like it. It feels like it. I could be way off on that, but that's just kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Intuitively, um, could be wrong, but I don't think so. I think he's played. I think the writing was on the wall before this, and now it's just kind of like, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah. And then the Max Domi situation is interesting, right? Because he's got diabetes. Apparently, he could die from Yeah, from type 1 contract. diabetes. And I think the guy, the Minnesota Wild, is it Luke Coonan? He also has type 1 diabetes. Um, and I believe he has been cleared to play by the Wild. Okay. So I think he's good to go. The other guys we've seen opt out, like I said, Mike Green, Steve Camper from the Boston Bruins. Which by the, by the way, the Mike Green thing, I just I love it. Right? Get with because how well, many the, how many games do the Oilers get get from him? The, oh, I know, right? The funny Oilers tweet is, oh, "Is Johnny Gaudreau gonna opt out like he does every playoffs? Are the Oilers gonna drop, opt out like they do every single year except for the once in the last ten years? Why does their whole organization opt out? It feels better for them. Why don't they stop? Why don't they fold as an organization? Why couldn't somebody? They better. Why not, couldn't stop? Of course, they will. But they better fucking take that ugly Oilers logo off the center ice. They better. They, they will. will. They will. Yeah. You know what? I was actually just while we're on the Oilers fans are the worst because remember during all the Kachuk stuff, we I think we dedicated like a whole thing to like dissecting why what what is with the Oilers fans? Why are they like this? Like why? And it seems to be once again going on, doesn't it? Yeah, they're back at it. They're back at it. Like I've seen some of them chirping Hamnick. Um, there's a writer for Flames Nation, Christian. Um, he posted something, and he was just like saying, "You know what? Like the, the Oilers fans are like a disproportional amount of Oilers fans are annoying as shit. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Well, Why are they still like this? Like how can they still be going on like this? Can't they shut up? I think you and I figured out that one day, you were going back and looking at. The league, you yeah. If you go on the NHL website, you can search by category, and you were searching team losses, team losses, and winning percentage. And you kept on going back further and further and right, further. I forgot and you about go that. Thirty years back, back to nineteen ninety. They have the no, the most losses than any other NHL franchise. They're the worst NHL franchise in thirty years. That's why they are the way. That's they why are. they're so toxic. And what and they're they're delusional and insufferable. That's those are the two. Right? Yeah. When you have that combination together, that's the way. <laughs> that's, the, that's why they are Okay, there. good. They deserve it. Anyways. Okay. 
fan noise. So this is kind of cool. Okay, what NHL is this? What world are we living in? Are we live like? Is it an alternate universe we're living in where the NHL not only has a solid plan for return to play, is a leader in the sports world in terms of like, you know, making this happen in terms of very strict guidelines. I think the plan they've proposed for the return to play has been very well thought out, very well executed thus far. They got a new CBA done, agreed to, done deal. The Olympics are in. The Olympics are in. What the hell we, is going on? We already had the draft lottery take place amidst all this. The draft lottery was done, I think, creating a very creative and very like creating the most intrigue. Creating the most intrigue in how many years? Now we're hearing really cool creative ideas and how to get fan noise into the is, building. Is this the most intriguing draft lottery lottery of all time? It's got to be, other than maybe the Sidney Crosby one. Intriguing, like who's gonna get it? Like, what world are we living in where the NHL has their shit together and are taking cool, creative ideas? We'll see how they execute the back-to-play fan noise. Okay, but talk about some of the we'll ideas. See. So some of the fan noise ideas is they're sending out emails to season ticket holders of all the fan bases and having them record, like, fan noise or uh, different chants. chants. How cool is that? That's epic. That's really cool. So it's like... Like, how cool... Like the reason why that's so smart, if you're a fan and you're watching and you hear fan noise, you're like, that's me. Right, exactly. I'm cheering my fucking team on right now. And and they know that it's from their fans, right? It's not just random noise. It's like it's from the Flames fans. Like that is cool. With team-specific cheers. That's so cool. So Greg Wyshynski posted this on uh, ESPN.com. If you want to go check it out. It's that the NHL is going to use fan videos with team-specific cheers. So season ticket holders are going to be emailed, and they're going to be asked to record 30-second clips of cheering for their players. The clips will then be used during games played in empty arenas inside Toronto and Edmonton. Now, that could turn out to be, like, cheesy and dumb. I think it'll be sweet. Or it could be friggin' awesome. And I can't... I haven't been able to find out... Oh, here we go. Yeah, so Flames fans were asked for clips of them yelling C and Red during the U.S. National Anthem. No. Hells yeah. Yes! That's epic. Hells yeah. That's and epic. the OE chant during the AC... During the goal song, TNT. Sweet. Those are very good. Do you think they'll play... They probably will play both anthems for every game. Or will yep. they? I think so. Well, it depends. I mean, that. it is kind of like an all-around tournament, so they I probably think they will. I think they probably will. The Flames and Jets, two Canadian teams playing in Canadians. That's, they will. They'll do it. It'll be on TV and stuff. They'll probably true, it. yeah. And I love that because not only are those team-specific, but they're even like... They're specified within a team-specific chant. It's not just like, go Flames, go... Yep. It's like very specific things that you only do at the dome, right? Exactly. Like so, only if you're in the know at the dome. It'll be interesting. How I love the, that. It'll be interesting how they roll with the Nashville chants. That's sweet. Because how like they got they like twenty chants over there, don't they? You suck. It's all your fault. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's sweet. I love that. So hopefully they broadcast the anthems and stuff. Yeah, like you said, imp- unprecedented. I mean, we've been complaining, but we'll see. Uh, Tim, I'm not getting too excited. I want to yeah. see how they execute this, but yeah, I'm still kind of skeptical because it's like even today, the Pittsburgh Penguins apparently have nine players who have like I don't know if they've confirmed contracted COVID, but I think three of them have, and they've all kind of been in contact or something. There's nine players they're sidelining for training camp, unnamed yet. We'll probably know when they start training camp, and nobody's on the ice. Um, but yeah, nine players that they're they're sidetracking. It's going to be like who knows. I think the the plug could be pulled on this at any minute. I'm yeah. sure. I can. I mean, even 
because I heard this on uh, on a different podcast. They were talking about like, well, if you go back to that nineteen nineteen season, the only year there wasn't a Stanley Cup awarded that they played a season during the Spanish flu. They actually got to Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final, but then really? but then somebody died or something, and they had to they had to pull the plug. <laughs> so it's like this could, even if this keeps going, like it could the plug could be pulled at any moment. I'm sure. So, with trepid excited but trepidatious. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. Too don't get, your, get them up, but you have them reeled in once in a while. Yeah. Watch us make it to the cup final, and it's like... It would, eh? All you need to do is win one more game. Oh, it was canceled because too many people got the virus. No, it would be like game six. We're up 3-2. We we're up like 5-2 in the game. It'll be in the middle of the game. We're like, it's like... Stop! It's a done deal. Yeah. Whistle blows. We have to stop this. Horn blow goes off. Um, that's definitely what's going to happen test results just came in the yeah. entire uh, Kegger Flames team has COVID yeah. you're at her, yeah. oh, that's going to be the worst anyways you know what Like training camp starts is it, it starts today yeah it starts today that's yeah because to uh, yeah, Steinberg just Steinberg just, tweeted yep. yeah, uh, July 13th and then so um, I think it's training camp and then face so you get two exhibition games. Do we know who they're playing? Well, actually, I found this out last night because you can decide, you can pick the organization can pick if they're going to play exhibition games. The Flames have elected to play one, oh. but the opponent is to be determined. And I believe that you can pick like an inter squad. Like you can play, you can just have like a, a team like white versus red type thing. So I'm pretty sure the Flames have elected to play one exhibition game. Intuitively, I would have thought it would be against the team you're playing in the qualifying round just to limit the amount of, like, yeah. interaction and, like, you don't want to be playing this team only once. And, like, that well, limits the amount of people you're in contact with. But theoretically, if it's going to work, you should be able to play the other teams. I guess so, if it's going to work on a macro scale. Um, so we'll see. As, as far as I know, the Flames have elected to play one exhibition game, but I haven't seen who it's going to be against. Or what it's going to look like. So Yeah, they probably don't know yet. Anyways, training camp gets, gets underway today. Steinberg saying that um, it's going to be split into two groups. First four days at 10 a.m. and 12.15 p.m. is what that's going to look like. Like, instinctively, I'm like, okay, I want to go down and watch this. And they're like, fuck, I'm not allowed. I know, right? Well, I was talking to somebody at work, and it's like, it's too bad. And I totally understand why. But in a perfect world, you could, like, sign a waiver and go to the games or something if you wanted to. Yeah, no kidding. Can't can you sit at the top bell? Right. Can you just like, like just like spread you out, like allow twenty people in? There's only one entrance for <sighs> all like the people that are like really willing to risk. Death. Well, and it's like I was just I I was watching. I don't know what I was watching last night. I think I was watching a, a last year's playoff pump up. It is gonna be a bummer not to be able to go to the games. Yeah, it really is. Like it's it's not that big of a deal, but it's kind of gonna be a bummer because it's it's just so especially when when it's like a qualifying round, Jets Flames like. Yeah. Can you imagine what the dome would be like when it's like all Canadian matchup. It'd be so fun. So it's gonna be a bummer, but beggars whatever. can't be choosers. Exactly. I'm if, just glad to be. If if they're like, it's, it's either this or nothing. Because that's Obviously. what it is. It's either this or nothing. It's gonna be absolutely goddamn lights out because the schedule, like the first week of August, is just gonna be unbelievable. I can't wait. Well, you're taking the first I'm week, of week off. off. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit at home. Game one's on August first. Game two is on August third. Game three is on August fourth. The weird, the crazy thing is that it could be all be over. Like we could be done by August fourth. The 
this, the flame season could be over. Three days. Three days, which is kind of what happened last year. Oh, no, I think it's you remember how fast three, it ended last three, year? It's three games and four days. Yeah. So it's, it could be done in four days. Last year, it was like, we're finally ready. All season, we've been waiting. We win game so one. It's like, yeah, we're feeling yeah. good. And then it was done, 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 done. Fuck. Swept. That was so depressing. So hopefully, we see a different fate in this series is stretched out. But, I mean, the rapidity at which we're going to get insane shit happening, it's like qualifying round. Then immediately after, it's the draft lottery. Then the playoffs start. Then when the playoffs are done, if it works out, it's like free agency right away. And then the next season starts. And then the next, then training camp starts like right away. And then the next season starts. I love it. They're gonna do an eighty-two game season if all goes well next year. It's I love just, it. it's awesome. So, a good on the NHL for having their shit together. B, I'm really surprised, impressed. Hopefully, this goes as well as yeah. you know. And and I think it, I hope it will. You know, Batman's done a great job. Um, you were saying this yesterday. Very very impressive how how the NHL as a whole has handled this. I'm very surprised. Now, especially I with, especially like you keep forgetting, they got a fucking CBA, new CBA done. That's insane. He might not get booed the next time he's on the ice. Right? Like that's insane. And it is, you know what? Like also credit to the players association. Which by the way, when the Stanley Cup was awarded and Bettman awards it, are they going to, is they going to factor in the crowd boo? Holy shit. NHL, of course okay, not. But like, they, they would be legends if they got people saying like, if they roasted, if they fucking, roasted Batman, they should do it. That would be the most baller. I would be so impressed, and they would be so self-aware. They'd be dude, instantly the best if, sports league in the if world. If Batman got over himself for a second yeah. and really wanted to do what's best for the league, he would have. He was recorded, see, and dude, he might. Dude, he might. He might. He do that. he would become. He might instantly become the goat. That would be amazing. He could flip it. He could flip the Dude, pure hatred to, like, that was awesome. If he, listen, if he wants people to stop, if he wants the boost to stop, factor in the boost. That'd be sweet. Because then, then people would, it would flip it. That would be amazing. Come on, Gary. Get over yourself, Gary. Gary. Oh, Gary. So you can do it. Anyways, and also Gary. credit, credit to the PA. Gary. Because if there was ever a time they have the owner's balls and a vice, it's right now. Because the owners can't afford a lockout, they need that revenue. Like the players could have been like, you know what, we're not, we're gonna, we're gonna not play, we're gonna go on strike. The players could have held this up, and they didn't. Well, and it's better for everybody. But it just goes to show, it's like the owners have taken advantage of the fact exactly. that the players want to play hockey. Yeah. For how many years? And here's so it's like, but it. maybe you're seeing it again. Maybe yeah. you are seeing a bit of a turn of, of how, how how that whole thing dynamic works. Okay, so this is weird. We finally have. Flames lines at the first practice. Steinberg just tweeted this out. Excellent. What so, the? You got re- to remember, different groups are skating at different times. So there's two different groups. Okay. But hey, this is the first time we've ever seen a lineup tweet. Quine, Monahan, Lindholm. Dear God, poor poor Chucky. Kachuk, Backlund, and Reader. Rzichka, Ryan, Zarnik. Byron Fraze. Glenn Godden, Matt Phillips. Zarek right now is fucking dinging him off the post in it. Okay, now that we're into lineup discussion, I swear to God, Austin Zarek needs to be on this team in the qualifying round. I think so. I think he instantly made... He, it slots in perfectly on your third line. I feel much more comfortable with any iteration of the third line with Austin Zarek on it. I don't think I'm starting on the third. I would start him on the fourth line. I, I would start him... I'm, I'm moving Bennett up. I'd move Lucic down and put Dubé on left wing and put Zarnik on right wing. Yeah, but you can't even say that because you know they're not going. To. I know it's just like you, you have to work within the framework of what they they're 
willing to do. They're not going to move Leech. I'm so obsessed with that. I don't get it. I just think Zarnik gives you so much more there than than it. Like, I don't know. I th- Again, it, it's kind of like the same thing with the Shillington thing. I don't understand why he's been in the mind. It's just, it seems, I don't get it. And they never explain it. They never say why. It's just like a guy who's a right-hand shot who in the preseason was great. Before he got injured, was playing with Backlund and Kachuk, was playing pretty well. Goes down to the AHL, lights it up. It's just, it's such a waste. It's, I don't, so many wasted assets on this team. How much of this are they going to treat like a regular camp where they're going to base how well guys are performing in camp with their starting roster? I would hope that that's a factor because like we've said a million times, I think, especially in the qualifying round, it's going to be whoever can get on a roll and just bang off a few wins here. Knowing this management staff, I don't, I doubt it. I, doubt I bet it. you're going to see the same, the exact yeah, same roster. Too. To me, that, that's an interesting question to pose. Yeah. Is do you think there's going to be at least one fucking oh one roster change going into the game? One? I would hope so, but I don't think so. I agree. I would. I would also hope so because I think we can do better than yeah. what we've seen. But knowing this, no, we're going to have the exact same lineup. As you know, you're going to see Reader in that opening game. Yeah. You know, you're going to see Jankowski. Yep. You know, everything is going to stay the same. You know, Bad's going to be socked away in the fourth exactly. line, doing nothing. So I hope so. I. If there's one guy I want to see, it's Zarnik. Like, I don't know, Buddy Robinson's in camp too. Maybe what I, he could factor in, but I, I think it's going to be the exact same, but I would love to see Austin Zarnik get, get into the lineup. One change I could actually see them making, which I hope they do is, well, maybe I don't necessarily hope they do, but I think it makes more sense to swap out Bennett and Dubé unless Dubé is just fire, light coming in. the Yeah. Because... I agree. That that line of Dubé, uh, Ryan, and Lucic... They, they had a few good games. I don't know if you necessarily want to... If you want to go into a playoff series, is that as your third line and you're banking on them as secondary scoring. Doesn't that scare you still? With Bennett stocked away on the fourth. I think you're going to get more from Bennett. We've seen him. He's a playoff performer. Yeah. Come on. Put him on the third line. Exactly. Especially... Give him a shot right out of the gate to get hot. I agree. Or maybe just switching on with Lucic. I say put Lucic on the fourth. But then poor... Like, what's Dubé going to be able to do with Reader and fucking... Yeah, nothing... And Jankowski. Weirdly enough, the <laughs> that reader Jankowski. That's when, like, come on. Anyways. Just come on. Get Zarnik in there. Get somebody with a little more dynamic offensive ability. Please. Like, imagine Zarnik with Dubé. Yeah. And Ryan. That's what I would do. Or Quine, even. Yeah. Like, it's just there's so many better options for the bottom six that they don't utilize. It's just very frustrating. No. Sticking with Reader. Anyways, anything else? How many goals did Reader score this year? Reader? Yeah. I think he's got two. Did he score two or three? Didn't he go on a hot streak there? Yeah, he went on a heater and scored like Yeah, he scored an empty netter there, I remember. Didn't he? Didn't he score his first goal as like an empty netter? I think he might have three goals. Honestly, like, Reader for me, like, I know this is a bit weird. Oh, he's got four goals this year. Yeah, four? Okay. I personally would rather, no, I wouldn't. I I keep saying this, I'd rather have Reader than Lucic. The only thing is, is that he can skate, and I like guys who can at least skate. If you're going to be doing nothing, at least you can... You know, reader. Fast. I don't understand why Reader's on this team when you have. I don't understand so either. many other options. I I can see him on a team where you don't have any more options. I can see like maybe he maybe he'd be good again in in, in Phoenix. I can see a team or Arizona, I, especially when it's, Arizona, it's Arizona. Yeah, right? it's Arizona. Okay. I can see him maybe fitting in on a team. Maybe you call him to camp, but you don't call in Ronaldo and Reader and send them both for some fucking reason. Anyways. Anyways. All right. Is all that's all the current stuff? That's you want to talk about more of these line combos or anything else there? 
Um, not really. We'll I guess stunt like it's right now. It's like ten quarter to eleven. So the next group will skate at twelve fifteen. So we'll see some different line combos. Right. But um, well, it's exciting. People are getting excited again. I, people on Twitter, like I've seen a few people be like, "It's nice to see the Twitter feed filled with hockey right. instead of fucking politics, politics and COVID and masks and everybody pointing the finger at everybody else and fucking this and that." It's absolutely nuts. Um, maybe let's finish on. The implications of of Hamannick most likely not returning, and what might happen with Brody now. I think we talked about this a bit yesterday, and I think the way that I put it was that this is great because Tree Living now is kind of in a position where he has to keep Brody. And I even asked this yesterday. I'm like, what do you th- what do you think Brad Tree Living's honest? opinion and assessment of tj brody is and i feel like you probably nailed it yesterday when you said that it's probably not that he wanted to rid brody although for about two seasons there the fan base brody was for sure the whipping boy and i think unnecessarily so in for most of the time i think there's one year year the year he was paired with hamannick oddly enough he wasn't very good there you go um but i know that 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 does eventually trickle back up yeah. to the GM. Like, he, he can't filter that out completely. But he has tried to trade him two or three times? Definitely once in the in the Toronto trade. And I'm sure before that. And you've heard his name on the chopping block a few times. Yeah. Um, so you know he's been a piece. But where you're at now, the way the chips is folded, because your other alternative is you let him walk, and now you're stuck with, with trying to sign Gustafson as a replacement. Well, yeah, that's what we were talking about yesterday. Is like with an aging Giordano. I know Rasmus Anderson is coming to the fold. Valimaki should be healthy next year. But do you want your top four D next year to be Geo Anderson, Hannafin, probably Valimaki? Like maybe that's out. Maybe that's good enough. I would much rather have Brody in there as well. Me too. But so, then you're probably not signing both Gustafson and Brody. Yeah. But then Gustafson might make more than Brody? Well, I think Gus... What is Gus going to be... What is his market value? A guy who scored 60, 60 plus points you, a couple you, years ago? He's looking for probably 6 million plus. You think he's looking for north of, of 6. I don't think he'll get it. I think somebody will get it It to depends. Him. I don't want to give it to him, but somebody if, will. If he can have a lights out postseason, and, and like, yeah. then he'll get it. But if he kind of just has a mediocre postseason, I don't think he's going to get north of 60. But yeah, I think we'll see, like you said, it's, I think it's forcing Tree Living's hand into signing Brody. And like you asked, to finish that thought. Which to me is the best thing for the team. Exactly. And the reason I think they were trying to trade Brody is because they identified a big time need, which was a number two center or another top six forward in either Nazem Kadri or Jason Zucker or whatever. And for Tree Living, and I think for most of us, although maybe not now, Giving up Brody was worth it to fill that need. Yeah. Now it's probably now you have TJ Brody. We'll see if he's. I I think you're a better team with TJ Brody on your team. Yeah. Especially going into next year, if you're losing Hamnick, you're not resigning Gustafson. Because again, like, what else are you gonna do? Like, what the, what else are you gonna do unless he's got another plan for another defenseman? But I don't think, especially knowing what I know about how much he likes to build from the back end. There's no way in hell you're rolling into next season with your top four being Geo, Hanfin, Valimaki, and I guess Anderson. Do you think Stone is on this team next year? No, no chance. 
absolutely no chance. If they re-sign Michael Stone again, Ratchet Living needs to get checked out physically. No, we we need to hire a private we need to hire investigator a guy to know what Michael what dirt Michael Stone has on Brad Schuler. Because I want that dirt too. Because he, that would be some serious shit right there. I'd be calling him up every week. Yeah. Hey, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting though because some people are like, "Well, I'm surprised Brody because with Brody's health scares this year, he might be a candidate for somebody who would yeah. would opt out." So guaranteed, you know he's thinking about it. I don't know. Do you think he will? I think here. Here's I don't think the, he will. Here's but... the way I look at it. Because he's the obvious choice too. I don't think he will. That's just the way this season's going. Yeah, I, I don't think he will. And that's kind of how it knows. usually works, anyways. Right? Very personal. And the thing that's going to be interesting is is because I think in this return to play program, I haven't looked at it, but there must be a competitiveness clause. Because like, what if like ten? What if like five star players on a team right. opt out? Like, there's got to be a discussion about that. Like, what if? What if or or contract the virus and can't play? Either one of those scenarios. Like, what if Toronto? What if Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Tyson Berry, all contract COVID and are sidelined? Or and Frederick Anderson. Like, what if Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Elias Lindholm, Mark Giordano all can't play? What if they have to have a Zamboni driver play play net for <laughs> half a game? Toronto will be finished. But, I mean, there's got to be some... I, I'm sure... That's what's going to be interesting. And, again, like the, all the plan is laid out very well, but there's so many different ways yeah. this can spiral so many variables. control. So. so many variables. Let's just... I, I think at this point, if you're a fan, not, not for a selfish reason, you're just hoping that if this thing starts, that all just goes well for however long this, this time duration is. Was it like a, a month and a half? Yeah, it's going to be a, a, what, two, a week and a half of qualifying and then the playoffs start. So That, dude, that first round's going to go by quick, man. Five-game series. Could be done in four days. Could be August 1, 3, 4. We could be either advancing or done. <laughs> and then the draft lottery, it's, oh, dude, it's going to be awesome. And I hope it all goes well because we need this. We need a win here. Like, as a society, we need a win. We need a goddamn win.